week's action show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 455. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Noah, you know, we've got a great show today, and I think it's one that all sizes of Linux Action Show listener will like, olders, youngers, and in-betweens. We're going to talk about taking cheap PCs and getting a great Linux experience out of them. Now, we've got two different looks at this particular problem, and uh, we'll tell you about the price points you can expect, and I think they're going to blow your mind on what you're going to get out of a computer if you're willing to go used or maybe slightly loved. <laughs> We're going to see what we can do to put you in a, in a slightly loved Linux laptop or desktop today on the Linux Action Show and how great it's going to be. Welcome to the show. Also, coming up in the news, we'll take a look at Plasma 5.9 and some new hardware, the new version of LibreOffice that finally has the ribbon menu. What? I'm not actually joking, but it doesn't, it's not as bad. It's not as bad as I just made it sound. We'll tell you about that. Um, plus, we've got some great, great feedback that I'm looking forward to. But before all of that, Noah, we have the powerful picks. The powerful picks. And uh, this one, our Runs Linux, our first pick this week, is uh, sort of fitting right in with the theme of the show. This is a DIY $200 Linux laptop that obviously runs Linux. Actually, it's $240 with fully open source parts, at least that's what they say. Uh, now, full warning, it is an ARM laptop, so before you get too excited, it is a A64, 64-bit Cortex, or a Kyrotex A53 processor. It's got an 11.6-inch LCD screen, 7,000 milliamp battery, which might not be bad with that uh, hardware setup. comes with 4 gig of flash, Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth, and it weighs 2 pounds. You can also add components to it because it's a modular system. It has a micro SD slot as well as USB ports, power button, all that kind of stuff. But one of the things you could do with this thing is perhaps set up for a very specific scientific work case or a workload because of the modular components of this sucker. I pulled it up here, Noah. You can see the, the pieces. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's very thin. It is, I guess, you know, probably pretty low power, low heat out of that ARM processor. So it's it almost looks like an old Chrome or not a Chromebook. I'm sorry, an old netbook. Netbook, yeah. Yeah, but just a lot thinner. And the neat thing is, is you start with this base quad core ARM system and the four gig flash, but the mm -hmm. rest is all assemble. It's all assemble yourself. Add modules. So you can add all kinds of things. Now they don't have all of this the parts selling or all the parts shipping yet, but you can get. Uh, the basic kit, the, just the base kit of the system that you build on top of for 225 euros. So, you know, you can do the math there. But it's around 220, uh, 240, I don't know, U.S. dollars, somewhere in that range. And uh, they say uh, they could end up with uh, pretty nice systems after you uh, add the different components to it. They're going to be working on, like, special sensors, special VR components, not to run VR on itself, but for VR sensors and things like that mm -hmm. that will be kind of just like, almost Legoed onto this thing, onto the motherboard. So the, sure. the motherboard has space where you add additional stuff. So it's the machine is called the Trace A64 Black, and it's the hacker-friendly modular laptop that runs Linux. For 225 euros, not too bad. Not too bad. I like it. And you know what? They say one day it may also run Android. I know that would really excite you, Noah. I know that would be really up your alley. To get that Linux off there and put Android on there, finally, right? Finally. But uh, also a couple other things you can do. There's extra battery as modules. I'm just looking at some of the other things. Additional cooling. They have a lot more components that are in the works. And they think that this could also be a simple enough project that kids could assemble this, this laptop. See, to. that would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. More, more laptops that you can kind of build yourself would be really nice. I don't know. Uh, they may have a demo at Fosdem, it looks like, that's going on this weekend. So that could be cool. If you're in Fosdom, you might be able to. If you're watching this live at Fosdom, you might be able to see it. Hey, speaking of, we got the elephant in the room, and I'm really, I, I am super appreciative. Look at, we actually have a decent turnout in the JBLive.tv chat room. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and we have a decent amount of people in there, right? Like that's there not bad. Like, like they, them, are, they must care about the Super Bowl as much as much as I do. Well, we're also. It helps that we're uh, streaming before the Super Bowl starts. That, yeah. that also yeah. helps. <laughs> 
All right, no. I For all I know, the Super Bowl's going on right now. You know what I like taking? I like taking uh, like really complex graphical applications and breaking them down into badass command line applications. And uh, I've got one of those coming up. So first, I want to mention our first sponsor this week, and that is DigitalOcean. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. It's one word. You. Put it together, kind of like you're slurring it, like some kind of jerk. You apply it to your account after you've created one, and you get a $10 credit. Now, you're cooking with gas at DigitalOcean because check out their pricing. It's really straightforward. For $5 a month, you can get a nice rig with 512 megabytes of RAM, 20 gigabyte SSD, terabyte of transfer, one core processor. But if you can also, you can also break down DigitalOcean hourly. Now, I don't even bother doing anything below $0.03 an hour when I'm testing because you get 2 gigs of RAM, a 2-core processor, a 40-gigabyte SSD, and 3 terabytes of transfer. Are you, are you sensing the theme here? They're all SSD, and they combine it with a really intuitive, easy-to-use interface that has entire distributions and application stacks, if you like, ready to go. If you want to do a one-click config, you absolutely can, or you can build it from the ground up. They have snapshots that allow you to revert when you screw something up, and an API that's so simple to use, you could be a total noob. And still figure out how to use it. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code. Here's the thing. And while you're there, dig around on their community section because that's where you'll find a lot of really great documentation. And they take on like complicated stuff that you don't normally find really good current documentation on. Like here's one that was updated just 11 days ago. How to rewrite URLs using uh, Mod Rewrite and Apache on Ubuntu. And one of the things I like to just point out is the formatting of this freaking thing. If you're watching the video version, take a look up at that. Look how well that reads. That's some of the best formatted documentation, which makes it really easy to bust through. They have the sections completely laid out. Professional editors making it look nice because they take all of this stuff very seriously. From the performance to data centers all over the world, UI, the API, using Linux for the virtualizer, and their documentation. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Now, this one is called Jam. It is a Go program, and it takes Google Play Music and puts it on your console. So no more, like, WebTab or Electron app. It goes right into, like, your Quake terminal or your, your Wake terminal, whatever you're using. For, for, like, you know, I know you're huge on cloud services, so it has last, la, yep, last.fm uh, scrobbling is in there. Uh, you can search with an artist in the database. You can populate a local database with local songs. And you can uh, – I guess there might also be a web interface. I actually have not tried that. Uh, and if you use Google two-factor authentication, you uh, won't have to generate like an app password for it. You can actually use two-factor Google authentication with this thing, which is really nice. You have to have Pulse Audio installed. So uh, get your crap together if you don't have Pulse Audio. And if you're building it on your system, you will also need to have the Pulse Audio development package installed. And uh, that's pretty much it. It builds really simple after that. So it's very simple. And uh, yeah, jam. That's it. Short and sweet. Take Google Play out of your web browser and put it on your console. How do you like that? Huh? Uh, anything that anything that can tie into the cloud is high in my book. Yeah, especially when it can tie your cloud service into another cloud service. Now That's you have microservice cloud services. Nothing has me more excited. I know. You're welcome. Now, when you're setting all of these accounts up, I want you to stay secure, Noah. I'm concerned about you, especially with as much cloud as you use. And yeah. That's why I want you to stay anonymous with Wawix. Wawonix? I don't know how you say it. W-H-O-N-I-X. Wawonix? <laughs> what do you think, Noah? Come on. Give it a uh, shot. Give it a shot. Yeah, okay. Wawonix. Uh, yeah. Wawonix, yeah. That's so Wonix. here's what it is. It's a Linux distribution. No, 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 no. Who? No, it's who? Hoonix. It's Hoonix. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's obvious if you're not busy in the middle doing a show. It's obvious it's Hoonix. <laughs> <laughs> Hoonix offers you the most secure way to surf the web. What? Yeah, it's a Linux desktop distro designed for advanced security and privacy. It realistically addresses attacks while maintaining usability. It makes online anonymity possible via fail-safe, automatic, and desktop-wide use of the Tor network. And it's using a heavily reconfigured Debian-based to run inside multiple virtual machines, providing a substantial layer of protection from malware and IP leaks. It's pre-installed. Pre-configured applications are ready to use, and installing additional applications or personalized desktop will in no way jeopardize the user. Hoonix is only actively developed is the only actively developed OS designed to run inside a VM paired with Tor. It only connects through Tor. DNS leaks are impossible, the base they say are based on their setup. Not even malware with root privileges can root privileges can find the real user's IP address. 
It runs in a VM, so it basically runs on top of anything. But they give download things for Windows, Linux, OS X, and Cubes OS, too. Nice. Who nicks? Who nicks? Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, when Bitcoin's over $1,000 of coin right now, maybe it's worth uh, taking a few extra strep- steps for, for the privacy. I'm still, I'm still saying that I'm waiting for a distro to come out for adult entertainment browsing. I'm telling you, that's going to be a thing. Like someday yeah. somebody's going to come out with it. That it's must actually be a thing already because – It's not. I looked. I looked. <laughs> I did. I was All like, right. I, I was. We could have a discussion. I was like, there's got to, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be out there. It's not. It's not out there. It huh. doesn't exist. Well, you know what? You would probably want to start with Hunix as a base, right? That's kind of my thought. Yeah, <laughs> I see where you're going with that. Uh, so there you go. There is our picks. We would love to hear about cool distributions you're finding because we've just started our distro picks back up again, and you can submit them to LinuxActionShow.reddit.com or email them in. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and uh, choose Linux Action Show from the dropdown. Yeah, past picks, all that stuff is at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash last picks. All right, Noah, let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. Go to last.ting.com and get $25 off your Ting service, or if you bring a device with you, you'll get $25 in uh, service credit. So if you're going to, I mean, get a device brand new from Ting, that's a great way to go, absolutely, but they got a GSM and CDMA network availability. They got a lot of options for you, so you might consider looking around in the drawer, bring a device over to Ting, get $25 in service credit, and then stand back and be amazed and how much that actually covers for Ting. It's incredible. And then to top it all off, there's no contracts, no early termination fees. And one of the things I think you'll appreciate the most, you only pay for what you use. Minutes, messages, megabytes, whatever you use is what you pay. It's $6 for a line. It's really simple, and that's why Noah and I pop off and on lines all the, t- all the time. I mean, Noah definitely always, on the average, has more phone lines going than I do, but there was just the other day where I just activated a SIM. I had a couple. I had two. And now I only have one left. <laughs> now I only have one, so I'm watching for a sale. But I just activated the SIM and used it for the weekend, and it was perfect because we had a we were going to a camping trip with the kids. It was it was great. And you know the nice thing about that is is there's no there's no there's no fee for canceling the line for turning it off. I just log into their dashboard, turn it on, turn it off. Last.ting.com, great customer service. You know, like the the kind that actually helps solve the problem. You get to talk to them, GSM, CDMA networks, and tools. For you to use from the device or on the web to manage your account. Also, congratulations to Ting for turning five years old. And uh, they're doing five days of giveaways. And they're just getting started, so you can still get in on it. That's probably going to be, by the time you're watching this, you could probably get it on a Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. So if you want to find out more, go to last.ting.com to support the show. And then click over on their blog. They're giving away phones. That's pretty awesome. And happy birthday to Ting for turning five. Last.ting.com. All right. Well, I'm sure you're really excited, Noah, about our first news story this week. I bet you're uh, thrilled about the release of Plasma 5.9. A new, brand new, shiny Plasma desktop's out. And uh, instead of me, you know what, Noah, instead of me sitting here telling you what's new, how about me from the past tells you what's new? After a few months of intensive work, the KDE community is pleased to announce Plasma 5.9, which brings many improvements and features to your desktop. Global menu bars for applications have returned and can be used with either a desktop panel showing the menu or neatly tucked away in the window bar. Due to popular demand, we implemented switching between Windows and Task Manager using the new Meta Key plus Number Key shortcuts for heavy multitasking. It is now possible to create comprehensive look and feel desktop themes that will download all the extras needed from the KDE store, such as color schemes and plasma themes. A utility called Look and Feel Explorer was added to create these plasma themes and to ease publication on the KDE store. There is a more compact and beautiful design for scroll bars in the breeze style, giving our applications a sleek and modern look. K-Runner actions, such as run and terminal, and opening containing folder are now also shown for the K-Runner-powered search results in application menus. Task Manager tooltips have been redesigned to provide more information while being significantly more compact. Plasma notifications now support interactive previews, which you can drag from the notification pop-up directly into a chat window, an email composer, or a web browser form. 
it's now possible to group together multiple desktop widgets in a single tabbed interface. That's cool too. Applications currently playing audio are marked in the task manager, similar to how it's done in modern web browsers, so you can easily mute them. I love that. You can now add widgets to your desktop straight from the full screen application dashboard launcher. System Settings has a new module for configuring network connections with a fresh new look. The icon widget sees the return of a settings dialog, so you can now change the icon, label text, working directory, and other properties. If you enjoy using Plasma, please consider donating to KDE so that we can work together to make the best free software possible. So it's actually a phenomenal, phenomenal release. My favorite ones are uh, the task manager, audio stuff, obviously big. Drag and drop interactive uh, um, notifications is great because I take a lot of screenshots for the show notes. That's a very uh, – that's one of my favorite. I, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't really get excited by things like global menu um, and things like – and, you know, the Wayland improvements. I'm sure I will eventually get excited about those kinds of things. Uh, but I've been running Plasma 5 – now 5.9 um, for the last – I think – I think it was just a little bit before I recorded that video. So – I mean, it's been three weeks. I don't know. I mean, I've been running it on my on my main system. No, it must be two weeks. I don't know, but it's been running great. And I just recently got the update to five nine. And uh, later on in the show, I'm going to talk a little more about Neon. Uh, so it's out. It's new, and it's coming to distros near you. I think it also it just hit Arch Stable. I think it's uh, in uh, the SUSE, whichever one gets you the get the tumbleweed or whatever, which gets you the fastest uh, packages. And uh, obviously, obviously, it's in Neon as well. And uh, to kind of um, bookend this announcement, there's also announcement of the KDE Slim Book, which is a laptop for KDE fans. So they're dropping oh, a lot of stuff. They're dropping a ton mm-hmm. of stuff here. Uh, and it comes preloaded with KDE Neon. And uh, what was the price? I figured out uh, – I, I got – it's only – I don't think it's available even to order in the U.S. possibly. But if you could, the i5 version would be 786 U.S. greenbacks. And the i7 would be 915 U.S. greenbacks. So not super crazy cheap, but they're pretty nice-looking rigs. Uh, i5 and i7, thin as hell, um, metal case, uh, two mm-hmm. USB 3.0 ports, uh, four gigs of RAM, and 120 gigabyte SSD. So the the price the screen? is it is it 1080p display? Yeah, okay. 13.3 inch 1080p. So that's a that's a sweet spot for you. Perfect. Yes, yeah. it is. This would be a great machine for you. Yes, it would. It's be. It's just a little expensive for what you get. Although you're also likely supporting so? eight hundred. Well, so what did I say it was for the i seven? The i seven is seven something nine hundred and fifteen dollars. Nine hundred and fifteen dollars. Nine hundred and fifteen dollars for the i seven. Yeah. For four gigs of RAM and one hundred and twenty gig SSD. Yeah. Now you put sixteen gigs of RAM in that thing and a two hundred fifty six. Mm-hmm. Starting to feel a little better. But at the same time, you're also supporting the project in theory too. So there's sort yeah. of – that's kind of worth it. <clears throat> yeah. I think their intent really is to uh, not sell a ton of these from sort of what I was reading. But uh, they wrote that uh, they think that uh, doing – having a piece of hardware like this, they can – they say make the su- the software work as smoothly as possible. One of the things they talk <laughs> about in this in this article at uh, dot.kde.org is uh, – there's going to be some problems probably in the different layers, but when they have a much clearer control and understanding of the hardware layer, they think that there's going to be just valuable feedback in some of the developers having some of these machines because they can mm-hmm. rule out some of those variables and really figure out, okay, is this a problem in the Plasma desktop or is this a problem in the driver level or is this a problem? Is this a hardware issue? And so I think that's the bigger picture intent behind this laptop, not to like – Take the Chromebook on or something. It's not like it's some crazy ambitious thing. That's kind of my right. reading of this. And also just to make something available for KDE fans that comes branded with KDE on it and uh, Neon pre-installed, which is mm-hmm. – it's always cool as a distro when you can get uh, your – your partner. Yeah, get a, get a hardware partner. So you can put up to 16 gigs of RAM in this thing. It has the Intel Graphics HD 520. It is aluminum. Uh, so this doesn't really fit the theme of today's episode, but it shows you an example of sort of a higher end what you might get. Mm-hmm. And so when we're gonna when we're gonna move into the second half of the show and we start talking about these cheaper Linux computers that are that are demonstrably cheaper than this machine, um, yeah. 
it'll be interesting to kind of keep in our mind a, a comparison of performance ratio. So mm-hmm. this next story is interesting because it's a big release for LibreOffice version 5.3, and it's also where you can get your hands on the new menu interface. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about the under-the-hood stuff that I think is going to matter to all LibreOffice users and why you'd probably want to encourage like your clients, Noah, to upgrade potentially. LibreOffice okay. 5.3 has a number of interesting features, but the one I like a lot is the cross-platform text layout engine that uses HarfBuzz for consistent text layout on all platforms, which includes the web. So if you use LibreOffice Online or you use LibreOffice on Windows or Linux, it all renders using the same exact HarfBuzz engine, which has not always been the case and why it sometimes led to slight differences in docs when you go across platforms, which is extremely frustrating, at least in the past for me with some of my clients. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a kind of a big deal. Uh, but it also has uh, some new under-the-hood improvements that are like massive for the project themselves. They say it translates into an open-source office suite, which is easier to develop. It's going to be easier to maintain and easier to de- debug. And they say, we admit this is not visible to end users, but is extremely important for us and it's extremely important for their enterprise deployments, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then they have updates to LibreOffice Online. LibreOffice 5.3 features the first source release of LibreOffice Online, which is great. And uh, the rendering fidelity is excellent. And uh, you can also get the latest builds of LibreOffice Online as Docker images. Starting with the 5.3 family, LibreOffice UI has been extended with the addition of an experimental notebook bar, which offers another UI addition to the default UI. The notebook bar, which is kind of like a one UI. I'll I'll see if I can find a screenshot of it because I don't have – I don't think I have it. I don't think I have it installed on this machine. What do you think of this, Noah? Have you seen it? I don't like it. I think that LibreOffice for the long time has been kind of the safe haven to get away from stuff like that, a place for people to go to get consistency and and, and what they were used to. And <clears throat> the reality is, is word processors, spreadsheets, presentations, I don't think they need to be sexy. I don't think they need to be, you know, intuitive, all that nonsense. They're, they're workhorses. They're utility software. It's, it's software that you go to get something done. And so the less complicated, the less, you know, the less convoluted things are, the better. Just if you have just a, is there you know, no room for improvement though? Is there no room for improvement? I, you know what? I really don't. I mean, here, here it know. is. It's not that actually, look at that. It's not that offensive. It's actually sort of functional. I guess. I, I don't, I mean, it's, I'd say it's, it's, it's not as dramatic as the ribbon. It's somewhere in between. It's not as fancy. It's not as glossy. Cause like when the ribbon first came out, there was like blue gradients in it. It had like a yeah. blue-white gradient and all that. Yeah, it ate up a lot of screen real estate. Yeah, it did. I just, this does I mean, take up some screen real estate, which I'm not a huge fan of in a 16 by – or in a wide aspect ratio layout. I, mm-hmm. I don't like taking space at the top and the bottom a lot. Uh, right. I feel like you're coming down on the side of 100% curmudgeon though. I'm coming down on the side of their, the, 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 the most efficient use of screen real estate, the most efficient pl- place is to have, you know, like four, you know, four to 10 pixels or whatever up the top and you have yeah. the individual I'm, menus. And because those are limited, then we break those out into yeah. submenus. So I believe, you know, I mean, they haven't said anything, but I don't believe the intent is to turn it on by default. That's good. So you'll still have your, you'll still have your traditional productivity tools. Office 2003-esque layout, which maybe is the best for this kind of tool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, so yes, this is probably this is probably the most quote-unquote talked about feature of LibreOffice. I personally feel like the rendering engine is a huge deal and probably the source code cleanup too. That's probably, a, for this project, probably a really big deal. So that's awesome. They got a bunch of volunteers to help bang all that out. That's what's so awesome about open source. <clears throat> I was trying to see if they had any numbers on, uh, yeah, here we go. Here's the numbers. In six years, they've attracted over 1,100 new developers, and uh, they have an average of 300 people active on the source code. So there you go. Well, congratulations to them. And what do you think about that? They put out they put out LibreOffice Online, which might be interesting for you and I to play with for show prep. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. In fact, I, I think I I think I I, uh, I did a little bit of a, a teenage girl scream at you earlier this week. Yeah. Um, next up with collaborative editing and uh, and LibreOffice Online. Both of those things excite me a lot. I so think that NextCloud is- integrated Collabra Online, and they in the latest. Are you on the late? Are you on NextCloud? What version are you on? Eleven. 
I have two. I have one that I actually use, and then one I'm playing with. The one oh. I'm playing with is whatever the latest version of Nextcloud is that has the collaborative offer stuff. My my actual production thing I'm still using is actually still actually OwnCloud, um, and I just I haven't switched it over yet because it was like the first OwnCloud instance I ever did that I've never had a problem with syncing, and I'm afraid to touch it. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, if you'd like to submit a story to the show, uh, you can do that at uh, Linux Action Show. In fact, I was just checking how many. Uh, well. You can go and find out. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Go there and submit a story. If you'd like to see more behind-the-scenes uh, stuff like the productions of these here shows, check out my YouTube channel. i got a project over there I've been working on. Last couple of weeks have been some great releases too. YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. It's also a lot of my personal stuff, so fair warning. But there is some behind-the-scenes production stuff as well. All right, Noah. That's all the news for this week. How cheap can you get? And I'm going to say cheap. How cheap can you get and still have a great Linux experience? This is a challenge that Noah and I took on today. And uh, I, I, you'll see. Noah, Noah's going for the inexpensive laptop, and I went for cheap. So we'll, we'll get into this and tell you all about our experiences and uh, how it made me question my entire reality. But first, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there, support the show, and sign up for a free seven-day trial of the Linux Academy teaching platform. A bunch of Linux enthusiasts, developers, and educators came together to create a community around educating all of us on how to use Linux. From the itsy-bitsy, nitty-bitty details, yes, that's a real thing, all the way up to the big abstract stuff. They have in-depth, self-paced courses, hands-on scenario-based labs, real humans that give you help, like actual instructors that know the material, learning paths if you want content planned by instructors or nuggets when you just want to deep dive into a single topic. If you're going for the certs, they've got great courseware on that, study tools and guides and lesson audio that you can take with you, iOS and Android apps for doing it on the go. Yeah, that's right. Practice exams and quizzes to prepare for the certs and the tests to make sure you really know your stuff. And the thing I think I've probably probably haven't really mentioned, but they've been working on a new feature. I think I'll, you know, I'll just mention it to you real quick because I was uh, digging through here. It came, out, uh, it came out a little bit ago, and I just don't really think I passed it along, but they have, uh, for these labs, they have you SSH into the server, so that way you get like a full, nice, real system. And it's a great way to learn because it gives you real-world experience. Well, one of the things they're rolling out now is an in-the-browser SSH terminal, which is pretty nice. They're rolling out and testing. You can give them feedback on that. I've always just traditionally used the SSH client on my desktop, but I could see how this would be a really nice way, especially if you're just, you know, on the seven-day free trial, just jumping in real quick. So if you're a Linux Academy customer already, you can uh, already take advantage of that. So, or just go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and sign up for the platform. They'll teach you more about Linux. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Mr. Noah, is there any big disclaimers we need to make before I just uh, fire off the first video here? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because Noah's going to take us for a ride down the inexpensive lane of Linux. Chris and myself have our fair share of System76 computers. In fact, the very first machine that ran this studio was a System76 Wild Dog. It's still in production use, as is my Lemur, as Chris would say. I use it uh, every day for a number of different things. But there are some times where you might not be able to afford the quality that System76 produces, as well as maybe you need some features that their lineup doesn't offer. And so this week, we're going to take a look at buying a computer on a budget. Now, Chris is going to be reviewing a very nice computer, so I thought I'd take the opposite end of the extreme. See, right now, I'm in this kind of weird transition period because as we transition from Skylake to uh, Cabby Lake, I am going to get rid of all of my Skylake machines and sell them for whatever I can get for them and then buy Cabby Lake when it comes out. But that's going to leave kind of a couple of months where until the new lineup of everyone comes out, I'm not going to have a machine to use, so I needed to find a reasonably powerful computer that could get me through a couple of months. Now, my base requirements are this. I need at least a Core i5 as late of generation as possible. I need at least 8 gigs of RAM, and I need a 1080p display. So, I'm going shopping. Okay, so I've done a little bit of research, and here's what I've come up with. Boom! The HP 15AY013NR 15.6 inch full HD 6th generation core i5 with 8 gigs of RAM and a 128 gig SSD 
and it, you know, comes with some malware, but, you know, get rid of that. Um, so I did a little bit more research. This particular device is available. Oh, they don't show it on here, but this particular, it's, it's available in a couple different variants. And so one of the variants is with the 128 SSD. Now you can knock 80 bucks off if you get the version with the one terabyte spinning disc. And I found that version on sale on eBay and the bid's up to, I think, 165 right now. Uh, and so I'm going to use a service called Bidnapper because the auction ends in like, the middle of the night or something. I'm going to use a service called Bidnapper, which is going to automatically place my bid. And we're going to bid like 200, 225 bucks, something like that. And if I can win it for about that, I'll take the used one because the guy said he only used it for a couple of months. So it seems like it's gently used. Seems like it'd be a really great deal. If that doesn't work, then I'll come back and look at seeing if we can buy the new one. But I think that's what we're going to do here. My laptop has arrived, and I'm excited to show it to you. Now, just as a reminder, this is an HP 15-inch laptop with a 1080p display, uh, a 6000 series uh, i5 processor, and I was able to get it for just around 200 bucks, and it was like 20, uh, $24 shipping or something like that, and then also I spent an additional $79 on an SSD for this. Now, this is, has a, a SanDisk SSD that I'm, I'm using on this particular system. Really like SanDisk. My preference is always a Samsung 850 Pro or 860 Pro, but uh, 850, I think, is the latest one. 850 Pro, but they sometimes, like, for example, Best Buy was out of stock, and I just, the computer came, and I just wanted to get going. Now, as far as what it took to actually get Linux on this computer, it's pretty straightforward. Take out all the screws on the bottom, including there are some that you might not see right here on the back. There's these two little feet, and if you have to peel the, this little rubber thing off, and then behind there, there are screws. Take out all the screws on the back of the computer, and then you can uh, pull the oh, and pull the optical drive out, which just slides out. Um, I don't even know why they have an optical drive, but pull the optical drive out and then you're able to get to uh, the motherboard and the RAM and all that good stuff. None of it seems to be soldered on, so that was encouraging and I can actually upgrade it to 16 gigs of RAM, it looks like. Pulled the hard drive out, put an SSD in, screwed it back down, so all in all I'm into this thing for a little under 400 bucks, uh, high 300, somewhere in there. And I think it's going to be a really great machine. Now, I haven't done a ton of testing with it. I've only been using it for a couple of hours. I kind of wanted to uh, get into the studio and start filming on it. But I got Ubuntu 16.04 LTS set up on it. I have my YubiKey set up. Um, and I've checked basic functionality like Wi-Fi and stuff like that. And I'm going to show you here exactly what it's doing. So... I've just unlocked it and I've kind of signed in. So you can see, again, 1080p display looks really, really sharp, looks really, really good. The trackpad, it, it's, uh, it doesn't have a click pad. It actually has two physical buttons. So if that's something you really like, it's for you. Not a backlit keyboard. I'm also not a fan of the fact that because of the trackpad, it offsets everything. So the trackpad does not line up in the center of the computer. It's kind of off to one side. That's never my preference. And I also don't really like 15-inch machines. I think they're too big. They're difficult to travel with um, and that kind of thing. Now, I got this laptop. Let's see here. It is um, 8 o'clock and it arrived at my house around 6, I'd say. And so, uh, or no, a little earlier than that, maybe five-ish, because then, then it took me about an hour to get the uh, get everything set up. So I've, I've had it on for about three hours, and I am at eighty-six uh, percent. It looks like uh, battery life. So, um, and not a very big battery. Uh, it is removable, but it's just uh, the back here. This little strip here. This is the battery, and these little latches unlock, and it, it comes off. So it, it is a re user replaceable battery, which is kind of nice. Actual performance of the computer, I'm pretty impressed. Um, if I launch, and this is a little hard to do upside down, but if I launch Firefox, you know, from the time I hit the enter key, it pops up. Not quite as fast as my, um, my, you know, my PCIe drive, but definitely usable for a couple of months. Um, after I get done here on the air, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be taking all of this footage and editing it on this machine. So I'll actually have on Sunday, I'll be able to tell you kind of how the entire segment goes, how it handled video production and stuff like that. I did try it with OBS. Um, seems to work very, very well. Have a little USB capture card and I was able to capture footage with it. No problem. As far as build quality, I give it a 7 out of 10, maybe. Um, it's all plastic. It looks like metal. It looks aluminum, so it looks nice to the touch. But And as you can see here, it already has uh, has marked up just a little bit, just scratching. And that's that's just from, you know, uh, me playing with it a little bit. Um, and right here, too, it, it kind of got marked up. So, I, you know, 
It's a plastic. It's it's a plastic computer. You can tell. You can tell it's a uh, it's uh, it's on the lower end. But as far as function, I think inside it's a great machine. Um, some of the other things I've done, I've run VirtualBox on it. Of course, my go-to silver standards are you know Firefox, Thunderbird, a terminal. I use Quake um, and Telegram. And lately, I'm adding to that Simple Help. Now, I've done a number of Simple Help sessions on this, and I can tell you that. I have used other machines that have a lower resolution and trying to do remote support, especially when you're supporting two or more monitors, almost impossible if you don't have a if you don't have higher than 1366 by 768. So the 1080p display works very nice. Webcam worked right out of the box. Wi-Fi worked right out of the box. Uh, Bluetooth worked right out of the box. Sound worked right out of the box. Suspend worked right out of the box. Literally nothing I had to tweak or do to get this to work obviously because it's ubuntu wi-fi is going to stop working here and there i'm prepared for that i have a script as to why i went with ubuntu rather than antragos i have been running into more and more little issues with antragos not enough that i'm willing to take it off my actual main laptop at the moment but more issues that i'm comfortable going if i'm going fresh uh, that i was comfortable going back to antragos um and uh, and I, you know we, I, I I might post a, a list of those and see if the chat room has has some answers. I don't want to necessarily rag on the distro um, because it still boots and it still has Wi-Fi, and so that's two things up from Ubuntu. Um, but uh, for I'm going to go back to Ubuntu for a little bit, and I'm going to run it on here and see how how this system works. So I'll keep you guys updated. Um, but overall, I'm very very impressed. I have the exact model in the show notes. I bought this one secondhand. It was like gently used. The guy only had it for a couple of months. But, uh, and, and, and again, I got it for uh, the actual cost of the computer was just a little under 200 bucks and then add shipping and the SSD that I upgraded in there and I'm just under 400. So excellent computer gives uh, definitely two thumbs straight, straight up. If you're looking for a budget laptop that you need to milk every bit of performance and get every last dime of your money worth, this is your machine right here. So Chris brought up the, that one of the things I should have done really to stress test the machine a little bit more is get Chrome open. I don't really use Chrome, but we'll give it a shot. So right now, as you can see here, I have Netflix playing in this tab. I have the, I don't know, a bad lip reading of the NFL playing in that tab. I have, if you laugh, you lose. Uh, of course, I have my favorite show in the world, this uh, Bizda Now, which is about some crappy Linux ripoff. Uh, and then, of course, Alta Speed. I have uh, celebrities read mean tweets and 50 amazing facts that blow your mind. I'm Googling Jupiter Broadcasting, have some Google tabs, have Gmail open, Twitter open. Of course, I have GetFirefox.com because everyone should be at that website if you're in Chrome. And uh, I'm looking at some laptops on Amazon and I'm looking at some laptops uh, on eBay. And then actually, while I'm at it, I said I would, um, I said I would talk about editing the segment uh, and so while I have all that running in Chrome, I guess I'll go ahead and open this project up. And uh, let's see here. Let's see what this looks like. Let's see. Let's go back to my good camera. Uh, dare I turn the volume on? I'm kind of afraid to turn the volume on because uh, of what's going to happen. But it looks like I can. Looks like I can, I can jump around. I can scrub. It's a little. It's a little. A little. Uh, a little sticky. Um, actually, a lot sticky. It's a lot sticky. It wasn't. It was not doing that before I had uh, Chrome open. So, uh, I guess don't op don't try and edit video with uh, like a bazillion tab Chrome's open. Um, but as far as uh, Chrome itself goes, uh, doesn't seem to be a problem browsing the internet at all. This seems to play. The video seems to be smooth, and um, browsing seems to be smooth. So I, I think it handles Chrome just fine. Apparently, you just can't edit video while doing that. So that's kind of a brief look at. Uh, how the laptop functions with Chrome. Nice. If you're looking for a really cheap laptop, I mean a low-cost laptop, that could be a really good way to go. Um, so I, I took another tact on this because I, I figured that probably covers people looking for an actual functional laptop that's not going to be falling apart on them, that still has decent battery life and stuff like that. I wanted to take the desktop PC because I felt like you could probably get a lot more out of the desktop PC than you could for mm -hmm. the laptop. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I will uh, – I'll save more details for after my clip. But I'll start it with – I'll set it up with this. The computer I am featuring in this clip is 10 years old and uh, could be purchased right now. There's a couple of them on eBay for $80. 
So I was wow. really, I'll say after I say that, this is an $80 computer that you will probably want to make a few modifications to, which we will say, we'll talk about after this clip plays. But the base cost is $80, and I was blown away with the performance I got for a system at that cost level. Okay, guys, for my cheap Linux PC, I wanted to go with a desktop system, something maybe I could buy used off of eBay for my kids, something simple that's not a huge investment, but would still get you a great return. And so I picked a system that is super near and dear to my heart. It was one of my first commercial Linux rigs I ever bought. It's, I gotta say, it's sort of a disaster in there. You can see there's like cardboard that was in here to prop up the drive. Uh, this SSD is just... <laughs> loose um, I guess I should also mount that drive I should probably get that mounted anyways but it fired right up no problems after years of inactivity running Linux love this old PC it was the Dell XPS 410 one of their first computers they sold running Linux still a total champ look, I'm looking at what I used to use back in the day Thunderbird, Pigeon, Gimp what's this I don't even know oh that's a game T-Worlds, yep, T-Worlds. Hotbot Twitter client, Vivalda, Spider Oak Dropbox, Access Problem. I don't even know what's going on with this thing. wonder what version this is. There we go. It was an old Ubuntu 12.10. It's got 4 gigs of RAM, an Intel Core 2 quad, Q6600 at 2.4 gigahertz, um, and um, it's got two drives, although it looks like it's running off the spinning disk right now. Oh, what does it say it's got for graphics? Hmm. That doesn't tell me much. All right, I'm going to get this thing reloaded with modern Linux and see how it does. This is all a big test, so my distribution of choice for this particular test is going to be KDE Neon Current. What? Yeah, I'm going to do KDE Neon Current specifically because my thesis is I'll have a decent graphics card in this thing since it's a standalone dedicated graphics, and I'll use KWIN to offload a lot of the window work to the GPU, leaving the slightly older CPU available for the things I want it to do. That's my theory, at least. We'll see. So I'm downloading the current ISO of Neon right now. I'm really thankful that the CPU in this older rig, this XPS 410, is 64-bit. I think that opens the door up quite a bit for me. This monster has a Radeon 5830 in it. I haven't set up a Radeon graphics card in a long time, and uh, this used to be part of the Bitcoin mining setup. Still works, though. This old Dell is old enough that I wasn't actually sure, actually I'm still not, I suppose, if Neon will boot. It's doing the first boot right now. Generally, I'm I'm actually pretty optimistic. The more I use this computer, I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, the performance of it. And I found a uh, used same exact machine on eBay for an unbelievable price. Hey, there's our first boot. You just watched that thing boot from post all the way up to the desktop. That's not that bad. That wasn't that bad. Let's... Let's mess around with the system and see what performance is like. Jeez. Holy crap, guys. I have zero complaints about performance. You, you know, the SD, SSD is definitely helping. There is, uh, there's a few things I want to set up, maybe get some uh, applications installed, and uh, really start to use it. This is just fine, though. Look at that. VLC just flew right open. <laughs> I'm installing Google Chrome right now, and it requires seven dependencies. Internet connection here is pretty good, so this is kind of an interesting benchmark to see how this machine performs while installing software. And while that goes, I'm going to use my system in the background. So I'll go about... Let's go change some settings. Huh. Look at that. It's just bouncing right around while it's installing software in the background. I mean, not unusual for a nice modern-day system, an i5, i7. But I'm pretty impressed. And remember, we're dealing with four gigs of RAM here, too. And our software, oh, it's been done. Look at that, it's already finished. Now we have Chrome. Wow, that fired right up. <laughs> up now, I'm installing the updates. I've got Chrome syncing my massive Chrome profile in the background, and I'm keeping an eye on CPU usage, which has peaked a bit, but is now settled down as everything sort of just doing its own little thing, and it's all background processes right now. Once I get all of these updates loaded, my plan is to install KDN Live and attempt to edit this here video on this here computer. Well, pretty much at this point, I'm just trying to throw the damn thing to justify all of the money I spend on these 6-core, 32-gig RAM systems with PCIe SSDs, because right now, I'm installing updates, and I'm watching Star Trek Voyager via Netflix in Chrome. That's... For a computer that costs this much... 
um, I can't really ask for a lot more. And of course, you could get different results if you interchange some of the parts. Like you could put a different capacity hard drive in here. You could put a you could put a large, you know, compare in comparison. You could put a large video card. There's something like an NVIDIA, even a 900 series would be a great upgrade for this machine and still completely compatible. So I, I really like the idea of a desktop. Obviously a lot of you out there want a laptop, but I think if you really want the ultimate value with a low-cost machine and you can do desktop, go for it. Because look at this, guys. This is the latest KDE Neon desktop running the latest and greatest version of KDE with Netflix running in the Chrome tab. I'm not saying it's perfect, but uh, let's bring up the uh, SysGuard here just so you can kind of get a idea of the uh, load. I mean, the system is handling it, and it's... You can see that loaded just fine as well. It's not like it's uh, it's not like it's unusable. I'm able to launch the menu, open up these applications, and the CPU load is pretty serious. I've got 44% uh, on CPU one, 40% on CPU two, 30 on CPU three, 25 to 15% on CPU four. So it's definitely taking advantage of the four cores, and there's no hyperthreading. But it's it's getting the job done. It's getting the job done. Now I'm going to throw Katie and Live on there, and you'll have to wait to find out how that went. He's also using under two gigs of RAM with all of that going, under two gigs of RAM. Now I'm sure eventually Chrome would find a way to screw that up. And so uh, it, installing installing Katie and Live went just really simple. Editing under Katie and Live went pretty good until I dropped the last two clips on the timeline. I made it all really simple. It was all really just like cut, cut, cut stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. There was no like special like crazy things to edit there, and I really think what it, what it, what the problem was is that Katie and Live was having a hard time reading the entire timeline once I had all the clips on there. But I was able to work through it and export the video out. And I wouldn't say it's the most amazing video I ever made. Uh, I did end up bringing it into another editor to fix one small thing, but the whole the whole end to end piece was cut together under Katie and Live on a computer that's ten years old. I wow. admit, I admit that. Having a dedicated graphics card in there that's decent enough is is mm -hmm. part of it, and having the SSD in there is the huge thing. But mm -hmm. I part of my suggestion to you is, if you go with a desktop PC that's roughly this this general configuration. This was a a Dimension ninety two hundred essentially. So if you get something around that configuration with standardized parts, you mm -hmm. could probably pick it up for a pretty good price. Whatever it is, these Intel quad core. Uh, the Q, what did I say? I forget what I said it was. But uh, the, that quad-core processor, it's it's not the latest and greatest. It's a core 2 generation. But holy crap. Like it really handled just about everything I threw at it. And mm. I, I don't know. How much would a decent SSD cost, Noah? Like something you wouldn't mind throwing in a rig? 49 bucks. 40 bucks. Yeah, for yeah, like 100 the, 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 and I, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to accumulate all that in the show notes. But everyone is asking, where do you buy these? Where do you buy these? Where do you get SanDisk, man? SanDisk. You go to Best Buy and they have uh, the 128 gig SanDisk SSDs. They yeah. start at 40 bucks. I mean, and you get the 256 for like 70 or something yeah. like that. And this whole thing isn't about building out the most ex expensive rocking machine and making sure you get the SSD that has the high, highest throughput. It's, it's more mm -hmm. about building a system that's pretty surprisingly usable for an incredible budget. And uh, I, you know, I, I walked away from this entire experience going, well, geez, I think this is what I would do. Like if, if I wanted to get another PC for my kids or mm -hmm. even, mm -hmm. even really for, for myself, it was, if it's a machine that I'm not trying to do like a, an HD video call on, right. Or right, right. if I'm not trying like to, to, if I was going to edit, you need to edit show notes. Maybe you want one just to try in a single app sure. out or something. Like sure. That. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I'm watching video on it or something like that, but I'm not editing video. That was, that was really pushing it. I was, I was not super thrilled with that. And I didn't even bother encoding it on the machine uh, just because I, I honestly just wanted to get it ready for this segment. It probably would have got it done, but I just didn't have time. Uh, I think I, I walked away going, holy crap. Why I've been, I've been so concerned about tons of Ram and tons of fast hard drive for like these one types of work cases I get into, and then I throw KDE plasma ne uh, the plasma the plasma five point nine it's the it's called uh, Neon User Edition. I just went and got the current ISO. Uh, that distro Neon is is great, and Plasma Desktop is like it felt nearly as fast as it does on my high end machine. Like it really was impressive. What I, that's the other thing I walked away from this is consider. Consider if you build, <clears throat> consider if you build a a, a, a low end Linux rig that has at least a decent graphics card in it, and I decent is obviously could be several generations old at this point. Mm -hmm. um, really, maybe consider you don't have to sacrifice. You don't you don't have to go with a very simple low end desktop if you don't want to. I admit a lot of us just enjoy them and like them, 
Uh, I, every time we do a segment like this, people say XFCE, LXQT, mm-hmm. uh, LXDE. Those are all – there's lots of them out there. They're all really great. I'm just saying if you if you get locked into this mindset, like when I first sat down to do this segment, I was going to do like Zubuntu or I was going to do a really low-end Linux desktop mm-hmm. to, to try to – that would be where I'd eke out my performance. Is I'd eke it out from the desk. That is ridiculous. You no, can, it's not. It, no, it's not. No, even it, look, it, I mean the, maybe on that – particular system but there is a point uh, you know i've got a pentium 4 machine downstairs that I yeah, use. Oh, yeah. I, i'm telling you if you didn't you, have the video card right that yeah. Yeah, sure or if you did if you're running saying, on like a 5400 rpm drive you are, you are eking performance out of it by you know by using some yeah. of those lower end desktops but if you Absolutely. buy if you buy accordingly and i'm and, and what i think i'm taking away from this is accordingly no longer has to be that extravagant the mm-hmm. base system's 80 bucks you could put mm-hmm. it like a 50 to 90 dollar video card in the thing but a hundred and hundred and twenty-five dollar SSD in there, you could have it. You'd have a great, great system that may last five years. I mean, this thing's already lasted sure. ten years, and it fired right up. It just mm-hmm. fired right up. It's awesome. I just love it. I love it. I love how it fires right up, and it takes you back in time to an old setup, like Ubuntu twelve ten. Wow, look at this. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Oh yeah, so when I was using Splashtop. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's that's pretty fun too, and and for you, you got a really decent laptop for around mm-hmm. four hundred dollars. Yeah, and I, I I mean I am going. I mean this is the true asset. You could take that to school. I, you could use that. I mean as a. I'm going to live on this machine for the next uh, well through March. So I mean yeah, it's gonna it's definitely it's gonna get put through its paces. Huh. Yeah, and so I walk away with this saying a big a big plug to the obvious work that the Plasma desktop has gone through to make it efficient and to the Neon folks because grabbing Neon current and just throwing that on my machine was was a really great experience. Getting 5.9 up and going on that rig really quick. I liked that a lot. So it, just all of this was went way better than I expected. I thought your laptop would be kind of junky and it was actually pretty nice. I thought my desktop would be freaking unusable once I loaded Chrome. I thought that would be it. I thought that would be the tipping point as I'd Load up a couple of tabs in Chrome, and I'd be SOL. And I'm sure eventually. Yeah, nobody ever says about Firefox. And your Chrome, your Chrome, because well, Firefox, don't even get me. Your Chrome, you have like a lot of stuff up in those tabs. I did. Yeah, really. I, did. I just found out I can't, I can't edit AVCHD footage while having yeah. all that stuff <laughs> open in Chrome. Uh, so that is the Linux Action Show's look at getting a great Linux experience on some low end hardware. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. But before we go, we got emails to get into. We got Noah with a question over there. And we got to point you over the direction of System76 if you're looking for a nice high-end rig that runs Linux without any issues. No scrounging around on eBay required. System76.com. Hey, did you notice that their Limur was recently updated with 7th generation Intel processors? 7th gen Intel processors, USB-C type port, and 32 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM. In this little guy. That's a killer system. Holy crap. With the Cabby Lake over there. System76.com. Go over there. Pick out a desktop, a laptop, or maybe even a GPU server. And uh, when you're checking out, tell them that Noah switched you to Linux. I know you already. I, I know that. I know. I know. That's not the point. Just just do it. <laughs> System76.com. Now with the Lamora Cabby Lake edition. That's very fancy. Very, very fancy. Okay, Noah, do you want to, uh, before we get into the email sack itself, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us about your plight? What's your, what's, your, what's your deal, dude? So we have a laptop that I am trying to get ready for a, for a very important task starting Monday evening. So that's like 24 hours from right this minute as we air this thing live, and I need some help. And so basically, and I have all of the information in the show notes, and I'm going to dump it in the chat room momentarily. So if you're watching live, because really that's, you're the only people that really get to take advantage of this. I'm willing to pay somebody if somebody can fix this for me. Essentially, the trackpad inside of this Asus Republic of Gamers laptop has a trackpad that we need a kernel patch applied to get the trackpad buttons to work correctly. Basically, what happens is when you put your finger on the trackpad, if you take your finger off the trackpad and press on the actual physical buttons, neither one of them work. If you put your finger back on the trackpad and then click, the left button works, but the right button doesn't. If you put two fingers on the trackpad and click with the left button, the right click works. 
So it thinks it's kind of like one of those touchpad things. It's not correctly identifying it or whatever. I We have done a ton of research and have all of the information that we have come across as well as the, the bug posts and how to fix it. And I even think we have a link to the actual code that we need to patch into the kernel, but that's 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 above Noah's head. So if there's anyone that's interested in doing that, send me a quote, what you would what you would want for to, to come help me with this problem, either on Twitter at Kernel Linux, on Telegram at Kernel Linux, or via email, noahjupiterbroadcasting.com. And I'll hang around the chat room for a couple minutes after the show. If you could help me, I would be very, very helpful. After Monday, I don't really care. If you want to send me an email, you can, but at that point it's not worth it's not really worth much to me to fix it because I'll have already come up with another solution other than satisfying the curiosity of myself and anyone on the show. So anyone has an interest in, in helping and making a little money on the side, let me know. Hmm. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Paul D writes in with another bulletproof Linux suggestion. I love this. He says, my suggestion for your bulletproof Linux setup is to stick with arch, use what you know and love, but build it on a file system that supports snapshots. I've heard this from a couple of people. Uh, he uses ZFS. He does snapshot in every day, all day. He says, I rebuilt my main system just before Christmas on ZFS, and some weeks later, in an afterthought, enabled daily snapshots. The very next day, I did something silly while browsing, clicked on a dodgy link, and started having windows opening by themselves. The solution? I log out, drop to a terminal, issue a single ZFS rollback command, and my home partition was restored to how it was when I booted that day. Arch is pretty stable despite being rolling. Providing you reboot when you update and follow the Arch announcement list, you won't have any issues. I also only update my my I only update monthly as I can't see the point in doing so more frequently for a system that you want to keep stable. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, Paul, I like your idea a lot. I am very tempted right now to do Plasma 5.9 on Arch. The only thing is, is... If you really want a really stable system, my experience tells me if you're on a rolling distro, you are probably better off with a more simple desktop environment, which is what sort of made me inclined to look into Neon LTS, which I still might consider. But that's a good point, Paul. It's still something that's probably on my list as a, as a potential route to go. Uh, you want to take Mark's? Mark writes in and he says, hello, Lass. I catch Lass podcast every week, but now I could use some assistance. I have an Oryx Pro 17.3 inch with 32 gigabytes of RAM, a 512 SSD, and a 1 terabyte 7200 uh, RPM drive with an 8 gigabyte GTX 1070 NVIDIA GPU. That is, that is a sweet laptop. The problem I'm having is I'm trying to get Antargos installed, and even in the live boot, the cursor is always stuck in the upper left corner, and after installing it at the hard drive, it will not boot at all. I've tried I've tried Debian and other distros with uh, with same issues. I've even tried Manjaro, and it was no better. Can you help? So I worked with Mark, uh, you know, for a little bit, you know, basic things like uh, try no mode set and stuff like that. And uh, I was not able to help him um, through a couple of emails back and forth. So I thought I'd throw it in the feedback segment and see if there's anyone out there that I'm sure there's somebody else out there that has brought an Oryx and put an Entargos on it. So if you have Entargos working on a System76 Oryx, if you could let Mark know, uh, again, shoot us an email, use the contact link, tweet it at us. I don't care. But uh, let us know how you got it to work so that I can pass that information on to Mark. He would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I know anybody running Arch on an Oryx. Now I think about it. Targos. Yeah. Do you know anybody doing it? Your dad has well, one. Yeah, I, I installed Entargos on on uh, on the Oryx and tried it on there for a little bit, and it worked just fine for me. So I'm not... I'm not exactly hmm. sure okay. what was going on. But All right. I'm well, like Noah said, you can get a hold of us at the contact form. You can also watch us live and hang out and interact in our chat room over jblive.tv. We do this show usually on Sundays around noon uh, Pacific, but you can get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And uh, if you hung out today, you could watch us with Sips shenanigans. I should mention at patreon.com slash Signal, where not only do you get access to the live stream, but you support the entire freaking network, uh, which we appreciate very, very much. You could watch the whole version of Last, the unedited part where we spent 40 minutes troubleshooting Sip. Uh, and uh, sometimes, sometimes that's actually enjoyable to watch. So if you're a patron or you are inclined to sign up, you can get access to it, not only to this episode, but all of the previous ones at patreon.com slash Signal, And I try to get it up within, you know, 15 minutes to an hour after last, which it's means you, fast. you can get it really fast. 
It's fast. It's before I get home. It's usually before I get all wrapped up and get up packed out of yeah. here. It's usually available by the time mm-hmm. I get home. Yep. The only thing that sometimes happens, like if we have a network issue or YouTube has a server side issue, it can cause delay. Or if we really violate copyright during the live stream, because we kind of cut loose during the live stream, uh, then YouTube will potentially take it down. So there's always that, too. So, Mr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colonel Linux, where should people find you throughout the week? At Colonel Linux, as well as at Altaspeed is our company uh, Twitter handle. And so uh, trying to tweet more and more stuff out. You can follow us both of those places. Well done, sir. You can follow me at Chris Elias, the network at Jupiter Signal, And uh, check out the vlog I do at uh, YouTube. At YouTube? No. I guess it would be YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher, which is my name, Chris Fisher. See that? See how I did that? Yeah. <laughs> Very clever. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. And we'll probably see you right back here next week. Uh, all right. Are we ready for episode 455 of the Linux Action Show? Now, chat room, please bang, suggest as we go. We need you to title this one. Uh, predominantly coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action. Yep. Did you know that your hair bounces when you ba-doop, do that? Ba-doop, ba-doop. Yeah. Okay. It's probably going to collapse at some point because it's yeah. supposed to be up here. The hair is. It's supposed to be, yeah. but it's slowly. Ca- it's slowly. It's supposed to be up here, like so. Here it's, it's supposed to be yeah. up here, like this. Yes. But it's starting to do that. You see. You see. Mm-hmm. So it is getting time to cut it because mm-hmm. it's starting to collapse in on itself. It's starting to yes. double. It's no good. Yeah, pretty, then pretty soon it turns into a hat. I don't have any Coke here. I would actually like Coke, but I don't have any here. I saw one in the video last night. Yeah. There was rumor going around the studio that you'd given up on Coca-Cola. There was rumor going around, but uh, then I saw the Coke, and I was like, well, Noah added himself. He's still drinking I was, Coke. I was going to say, who's dumb enough to believe that? <laughs> oh, that's mean. Uh, all right. You give up on Coke, really? <laughs> oh, I'm ready for this to not be a thing. Ah, uh, stupid sinuses. I'm going to punch my sinuses in the face, dude. Sick of it. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. here we go. Right. And that here brings us... Jeez. Way to go, Noah. <laughs> right? <Sure. laughs> right? What a jerk. Noob. <laughs> what a noob. <laughs> what a noob. <laughs> Fight me at land, bro. <laughs> <laughs>